Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job, this is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me podcast. Today I've got a wonderful spitfire of a woman with me. <laughs> I'm talking to Jane Lewis Orr, the exec- executive director of Hairdressers Journal and lots of other things. Uh, how are you today? Morning, Stuart. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm surprised you're still alive after the, the last few weeks you've had. Of... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been fairly busy with Business Awards, <laughs> Salon International, and then we're just five weeks, or less than five weeks away from the British Edison Awards. So, yeah, there's always something. It keeps me out of mischief. I know. I always say that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go straight into it. This, this, okay. I, I always like to know what makes someone's, someone tick. And... Um, the thing I always think is start at the beginning. So, so where, where was your upbringing? Where was you brought up? So I was brought up in Banstead in Surrey um, and had pretty idyllic childhood, I think. Um, mum, dad, two brothers, um, very fortunate, had lots of lovely times together, um, fun at school. And actually, I suppose in some ways, fortunate that Reed, who was my previous employer to hair, um, were based, but they were one of the biggest employers around, big publishing company. Um, and I wanted to be a journalist. So that was kind of my aim. That was always where I wanted to be. Right. But yeah, family of musicians. So I was quite, it was quite different not to be going into music. Right. So what, 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 um, what is their background? What, what are they? So mum and dad, mum and dad were both, um, bought, well, actually everyone apart from me, and I get reminded of this regularly, born in <laughs> Manchester. Literally, I'm the only one born south. So they were all born in Manchester, including my two brothers. Um, and then dad's moved with the family down here um, because he was working in all the recording studios. So dad plays the trumpet um, and he's still playing the trumpet extraordinarily well, apparently. He, he, I'm not the expert, but I'm told he is um, at 85. So really? still plays at, still plays at Ronnie Scott's. Um, and you would have heard dad on kind of things from the James Bond themes through to Beatles music, through to really? um, Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, um, all those kind of, yeah, Frank Sinatra, that kind of stuff, through to the match of the day theme and being on um, Parkinson every week in the band. So, really? yeah, that was, that was and is what my dad does. Um, and then my older brother um, was also a professional musician. He played keyboards um, and had a studio um, and was part of a band that many people won't have heard of now because they'd be far too young, but there was a band kind of 80s, 90s called Matt Bianco. Oh, um, Matt that's, Bianco. My, that's my brother. Um, yeah. So, and he was still working up until we lost him five years ago in December. Oh, oh what a shame. Yeah. So, um, and middle brother didn't do any of that. My middle brother, Paul, was a, a very happy painter and decorator, um, loving life. Um, yeah. 
So, and, yeah. Do you know what? This this is why I love doing this because, you know, I, I just love doing this podcast because you meet people and you sort of feel, till you do this, you don't really, like, there's all these other aspects and other facets yeah. of people. Yeah. Like, to be brought up amongst that, did you ever, like, so I suppose you went to, to go to Ronnie Scott's and that when you were young and, and... Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. You, you did grow up in it. And it, you know, it was kind of, it was very much the normal thing for us to see Dad playing on, you know, surprise, surprise or... Yeah. Parkinson or name that tune and stuff like that so it wasn't it was kind of just it was there before I was born so you just nobody made any big deal of it I mean obviously I'm super proud of super proud of him um and you know we we were very fortunate mum was a stay-at-home mum so we were absolutely you know spoiled rotten as in cooked and loved and cared for um and you know and I mean that they were the happiest Oh, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> they were the happiest of times. <laughs> they were the happiest of times. Um, I lost my mum when I was 21. Um, and then I lost my middle brother when I was 27. So, and then Mark five years ago. So, oh God, I didn't expect to get upset. Sorry, Stuart. Um, yeah, but we had the best times. Yeah, we really did have the best times. So what, there is just you and dad now? Yeah, there is. I mean, obviously I have my family now, so I'm married yeah, and I yeah, have 20 uh, year old, but for my family, it's, yeah. it's me and my dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. But what memories? Oh, you know what? I always say to people, because they're like, oh, how sad. And it, listen, it's the worst. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But I think I'm so lucky to have had such a lovely time with my family and the best relationships with my brothers and my mum. But yeah. some people never have in a lifetime. So the fact I didn't have them for very long... I mean, it's horrible, and I have very selfish regrets. They've not met my kids. They didn't see me married, those kind of things. But actually, I had the best time with them. Do you know what I mean? It was – Yeah. They really were the best of times. Do you, and, and do you know what? It's really refreshing sometimes because probably the nature of what I do, that when I do share stories with people and when I do talk to people, that often their, back, their background's very, very sad, you know, yeah. very, very uh, – so it, it's really lovely to hear someone who's got just a – a wonderful childhood and a wonderful yeah I mean, mom, mom was great you know to a, de- to a degree it was really good but you know I had uh, I, I was abused when I was a kid so oh, um, it sort of put the cat amongst the pigeons a bit with my upbringing and it affected me but um, I'm not saying that because why I say that is that um, it's important you're sharing so I will um, because it's I, I still I now I'm free enough to talk about it openly. I'm yeah. free enough because I went through a process of, of moving on from that. Yeah. And then yeah. I now can appreciate all the great things I had when I was growing up. I had some yeah. fantastic times and I had a great yeah. loving family, but yeah. there was this other bit that don't need to define me and all that stuff. Absolutely uh, not. You know, and, and, you know, I lost my dad. Funny enough, it's my dad's birthday this week and um, I lost him. I got sober 15 years ago and I was only about nine months sober when I lost him. So it's about 15 wow. years ago he died. Right. And, uh, I, I remember going to, to a hospital visit him and I was always looking for a pat on the back, you know. Yeah. And I said to him, uh, oh, well, Dad, I mean, we knew he was going at that point. I said, oh, well, Dad, at least you've seen me like, stop drinking. And he went to me, 
that fucking time. <laughs> but that was praise in his own way. That was a real, real acknowledgement that you've done it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. But we all want approval from our parents, don't we? We want to make them proud. Yeah, I still do. I mean, I, I, absolutely. Sort of, I, I look around at my family when I mow the lawn, and like, I'm sort of waiting to go. I'm waiting for them to go. All oh, the lawn looks nice. <laughs> We're all children at heart, aren't we? Well, of course we are. I don't think you ever grow up. And I think we also all think our parents are indestructible. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's a really tough, hard lesson when all of a sudden that, I mean, I was 20, I was just 22 when we lost my mum. So she wasn't ill. It was a massive heart attack. So no, didn't know it was, you know, everything was fine. And then everything changed. And it was literally in that split second. And I think that's uh, the, the, the twofold thing, isn't it? You either get that horrible shock, yeah, or you get like my like my watching me four months watching your dad, yeah, go through it, you know. So there's there's no good way for that. No, there um, isn't for the person themselves. I opt for the uh, quick one all the time. I'm hoping yeah, one, but. I think- uh, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's difficult. It is difficult, yeah. and I, there's never there's never the right time to say goodbye to the people you love, is there? No, no, and it's uh, and it's it's always a shame for people to say like, um, yeah, to, to to appreciate the people you've got while you've got them. I keep yeah, saying this to kids, oh. they'll think I'm I'm dying. I go, no, I'm not dying. <laughs> I just you know, just remember, you I'm gone. <laughs> no, but it's it is no, but you're so right because until it's not there, you don't realise what you had. I think probably, but I do think I agree with you. Your ex, your life experiences make you the person that you are. And I think I was young when I lost my mum. I was 27 when Paul was killed. And you you do appreciate people more because if you experience early that loss actually I speak to my dad at least two or three times a day um I see him as much as I can because I appreciate the fact I've still got him I know that sounds yeah. really daft but you know every, every day is important that I speak and I spoke to my brothers every day when they were alive always yeah you know we were, we were a tight family unit and I'm very grateful for that because if you've said not everybody not everybody has that so no. I'm I think I'm very fortunate I think you are I can see. I can see that the way you speak about it. Um, yeah, and then get upset. I didn't expect that within five minutes of starting. So sorry about that. I'm well known for making women cry. <laughs> there are so many responses to that, but I'm going to leave them all unsaid. <laughs> it's like, like when you said the salon. Like, it was always. I was always, like every week. I'd have a client crying in me, in me chair. Not when I showed her the mirror, by the way. I was going to say, was that? <laughs> do you like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! What have you done to me? <laughs> but, um, but then these things, as you say, they, they drive us. That gives you drive. I mean, and you're a very driven woman. I mean, so where was your first break into journalism? So I started work at Reed. Um, I decided not to do the university route. I wanted to go to work um, and to get out and start earning some money and experiencing the world. So I stayed on and did kind of um, kind of A levels, and then went to um, and I actually did what was called in those days. How long ago it was? A commercial course, um, which was like a business kind of PA. So you did all sorts of stuff, but it meant that the fundamentals for me were shorthand typing, which obviously you needed for journalism. Um, and then I applied for a job at Reed, 
um, this is going back because I can remember many years later someone saying we actually thought you were going to turn up in school uniform because I was only 16 when I started Um, and I got onto a training program there but actually it was a secretarial training thing but for me it was a way in because once I got in I was hoping that I would be able to move where I wanted Um, and I can remember my first interview saying "Um, I want to be a journalist I want to train to be a journalist and I want to work on the hair and beauty group because there was a hair and beauty group there it was a bit interest it was more interesting than you know they had 123 titles when I started at Reed Business um but everything from science to agriculture to to um aircraft to medical and they didn't interest me I wanted hair and beauty because I thought actually I'll like that it will be interesting so blah 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 um and and sure and sure enough and then I so I started and I actually got I got offered the job on the training scheme and then from there you worked out um you did lots of different places so I worked on motorboat and yachting railway gazette and um, all sorts of weird and what laundry and cleaning news was a particular favorite um so it wasn't all glamour um and then the job the job came up um as a kind of um a administrative role um on the hair and beauty group which I went for and got um and then was fortunate that I had really good bosses who allowed me to then start to do some writing I was writing new products and then put me through all the training um at Reed um so actually it meant I got all the training whilst I was working if you see what I mean so it's kind of, it's, it's like an apprenticeship Stuart that's the only thing I can liken it to it was like doing an apprenticeship and actually I'm hugely hugely grateful for that um and I think it get and then just kind of spent many years working onwards and upwards I suppose yeah I mean I'm a big fan of apprenticeships, you know, and I think um, it, it's worrying really the industry, you know, that, that how, how it's been affected uh, with yeah. that. And you, you can't beat on the job training, you know, you just, nice. you can't beat it. It's that thing of, I did it, I did an apprenticeship, you know, and I learned as I went. And um, it, it, there's so many, there's, there's such a big, there's been such a big change in, in, in education in our industry. I'm really lucky. I work alongside um, a, a company called Jet Training in Basildon. Right. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I know. They, they are yeah. a new example of, of how an education centre should be. Um, but they're not all like that, unfortunately. No. Um, um, and, and so by working alongside them, because uh, we did start the Haircuts Farmers Academy, Right. pre-pandemic and we we are we are going to go back to that but we've got to get ourselves going again because yeah. uh, the idea is that that all of those across the country if they can if they can like not adopt that's such a, but like if they can take on be responsible for one homeless person to yeah. get them back to work it, you know like be amazing I, I really I, it was it was it was a, it was tough we've had two go through one didn't make it um, and I realise now how vulnerable they are. So it's, it's, it's not an easy sort of situation to do, but it's doable. We know now it's doable. And we know, that, you know, with all of those, you know, every area had one person and gradually could increase. Yeah, it would be um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, but what, what have you heard for, like, throughout the industry? What, what, what do you think the direction is going with that, with, with the education side? Well, the T-levels have just been awarded. So this is the government's kind of gold standard that they're rolling out. So the hair, beauty and barbering's in the fourth wave. Um, and VTCT have won that with the NCFE. So VTCT will be driving the education. So there's very much, and I I work with, I'm a trustee for, for them. 
So right. I've been involved in employer panels um, and part of this. So basically the T level will be equivalent to three A levels. So it's, it's an alternative to A levels apprenticeships. And this is the third route, if you like. Um, and as part of T levels, you have 45 days work placement. Right. Um, so you are in salon, whether it's beauty salon, barbers, hairdressers. Yeah. Um, and they're working, BTCT are working very hard with employers and with colleges um, to make sure that A, it's worthwhile. It turns out the students are prepared at the end of the, at the, end of the qualification and, and are ready and fit for work. Yeah. And, you know, that's the important thing. And I think, you know, the, the market, you'll know this, as there's a big um, kind of move towards freelance, which is fine. And, you yeah. know, people want to work that way. That's great. But what we have to ensure is that we're still training and bringing up the next generation, not necessarily in age, but just the next generation of hairdressers, however young or old they are when they come in to start that they're getting that training and being able to watch and observe and learn and work alongside people who are more qualified, better trained. So that, you know, we all, I think you never stop learning. We all want to work with people who are really good because we can all learn from them. You know, I don't think nobody should think they know everything because nobody does. I mean, I, you know, it's, you can always learn stuff from your team and, you know, and I know when I was training, I had a fantastic editor and to this day, she's still, one of the best journalists I've ever, ever worked with. And I was really lucky because I would give her my copy and she'd literally go through it with red pen and, you know, this, no, don't do this. But but you need that in the same yeah. way you need that with a haircut. It's the same thing. It's just a different skill set. Yeah. Um, you need someone to be saying, no, that's not the right way. Yes, that is the right way. Because then it forms habits, doesn't it? But you have to be told a few times first before the habit forms, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, I think... Um, that sounds really exciting, you know, because it's 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 definitely education so key. And as you said, you never stop learning. And it was only about I think it was about five years ago. I still had the salon then, and yeah. I went and done a, a not another a, not another salon with, with Sophia Hilton, and I done yeah. a, a colour course. And I was this old fart doing this with all these young wonderful people, but I loved it. I just loved it. It was just like. I mean, she's Willy Wonka, that lady. She's absolutely mm-hmm. Willy Wonka. Um, and uh, it, I just felt like, I felt like I was 15, you know, and it was just... But that's brilliant, isn't yeah. it, that you get that energy. But I think hairdressing and barbering are, are industries where people are so willing to share their knowledge and expertise. Yeah. They're not this kind of, don't look, this is my way of doing it. Everybody's really open. And, and actually, why would you not embrace yeah. that? I mean, I think I'm clearly a frustrate, frustrated hairdresser of somewhere. Yeah. I just keep love to do that I would be terrible I'm sure but I you know it's I think in a market where people are so willing to give and share yeah every everyone should take advantage of that but I don't I, don't, I personally don't see why you wouldn't no and I, I think as well there is a time where we've had such change that was huge. you know we've had world change we're going to look yeah. back in history and think we've lived through this momentous time and it's embracing change. I mean, you know, it's always Not been a years. You've got to love ch- change if you're going to grow. Yeah. You want change, you've got to change something and all that stuff. But, you know, there's a different way of working now. Um, there is, you know, a self-employed hairdresser. There are there are home home hairdressing salons. There are all of these things. Uh, my, my thing that I didn't really realise is that when I was going to set off doing this this, this uh Haircuts for homeless sort of life that I've got now was all about meeting homeless people and vulnerable mm. people. But I've met hairdressers, 
you know, I've met hairdressers across the UK and Ireland and Southern yeah. Ireland and, you know, and all, and, and it's been fantastic. And I've met, you know, I've met celebrity hairdressers. I've met people who've got a little garden salon. I've met, and throughout the pandemic, we was in contact as well. So yeah. we had like, um, you know, they, they were sharing with us all of the problems that they had. I mean, a lot of the, a uh, lot of the ones who had, the, uh, you know, a, a solid business in a home salon didn't qualify for any grants. No, they didn't. And literally, and one of my team leaders um, has just in the end sent us, uh, you know, like a message to say, look, she's still going to be involved, but she's had to go out of hairdressing because it oh, just, right. you know, she only worked for last year. I think she only works like, you know, 30 weeks, out of, you know, and it, it, it's not, it's not doable. And there's a lot of that now. There were a lot of people that fell through the cracks. I mean, I work with the hair and beauty charity and normally we would meet as trustees once a month. We met every week for 58 weeks because the demand for help was so high. And, and the stories we were reading were or hearing were really tough. Um, and it was people who through no fault, absolutely through no fault of their own, their world was upside down because as you say, they fell through the cracks and there was no support for them financially or otherwise. Um, and it, I suppose in the end, the charity was there, kind of the only place they could go. And luckily, we were able to offer help, help and support to pretty much everybody who asked us. Um, but it, it was, you know, it's been a life-changing. But what was fantastic to see was that, like you say, everybody was communicating together. And we tried very much to keep the market together and united because people were scared they didn't know when they were going to work again what that would mean to their livelihood what would that mean to their income then that has an impact on their family but actually if you're all sharing nobody's on their own and I think that's a big part of it isn't it if you if you realize you're not the only one I think it was Monica Teodoro said the other day we were all at the same sea but we were all in different boats and she's absolutely right everybody was in a different boat but we were all on the same sea I love Um, Monica I just I just love that woman yeah, she's fantastic. She's an amazing woman. And that's yeah. that, that's that uh, Brazilian upbringing of her. That she's Absolutely. Real, like, she's Absolutely. just such a lovely human being. Yeah, she is. It. Yeah, you're all in the, yeah, you're, you're just all in that same, in that same storm, aren't you? you know? Yeah, you were. And I think everybody from all of the manufacturers through to training providers to wholesalers, everybody tried to unite and support. And, and I think the only positive for me in terms of industry for for us as an industry was that all of a sudden every national newspaper every television program was recognizing actually and this is what you've been saying forever and that's what haircuts for homeless does is it's not necessarily it's not just about how it makes you look it's about how a haircut makes you feel and and actually we all know that but finally everybody else started to realize that that's the case because again like we said earlier until you don't have it anymore you don't realize quite how much you miss it no and I found that with, with, and this is why, you know, I have got a massive call to action now with people because I understand now that with in, in economic insecurity, that they're, yeah. they're a little bit reluctant to give up any time, but we yeah. need volunteers. And w- why I say it is do it for yourself because when I couldn't do that for those, the, the, I think the last one got me the most, that last yeah. four months or so. The kind of January to April was the toughest, yeah. wasn't it, this that year? Got me. Like, like my, I had some other stuff going on, so my mental health went right down the, to the floor because I realised that this is my antidote. Like, this yeah, absolutely. Stuff that I do, that there is, is yeah. it, 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 it boosts me, you know, it, it, it fills me, it, it charges my soul. And without it, I, 
you know, I'm back to being just me, and it, 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 it's not it's not good. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure it is yeah. good, but I know what you mean because it makes you. It's worthwhile. That's the thing, isn't it? The fact that you can make such a difference to somebody yeah. is really worthwhile. So, and you know, we spoke about this when we did a live a few weeks ago. People don't have to give endless amounts of time, but they can give a few hours. And those few hours will make, A, a huge difference to a number of homeless people, but to themselves. And I don't think people always see the benefits of them until they've actually done it. Because I've spoken to people that have done sessions with you and they're just like, oh, my God. They're a bit nervous going into it because they don't know what to expect. They don't want to say the wrong thing. And we're all terrified of saying the wrong thing and offending somebody. But actually the feeling it gave them whilst they were doing it, then buoyed them to help them do what they needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thoroughly recommend it. You know, it's like, um, it, it is, it is, um, gratitude is, it, it is the greatest antidote to depression. Yeah. I really think it is, you know, yeah. being grateful for what you've got. I mean, part of my recovery, we do something called a gratitude list. Right. And I've taken it further now. I've got it. I've got it on my phone, and I've literally got a proper list. Right. <laughs> and when things are really getting to me, look at I it. I flick it open and I read through it, and I guarantee you, by the time I get to the bottom, and, and on there is is you know, I'm grateful for being able to have haircuts for homeless, and there's lots of yeah. other stuff on there. And it, you know, like by the time I get to the bottom, I feel better. That's true. You know? Because it, I think we offer we all and we all do it you get so wrapped up in your own issues and your own circumstance that you don't see outside of that and actually you don't have to look very hard to see somebody who's having a much tougher time than you are for whatever reason so it's you know and but it is isn't it that's when you need to rely on friends and family and I think obviously I mean the people you come into contact haven't got haven't got that reliance so you guys are the probably the first human touch they've had yeah in what could be a very long time and i would imagine that's really emotional yeah i did a guy i was in uh, clacton sunny clacton on monday morning <laughs> was uh, it sunny or are you lying to me it was no it was a bit it was a bit grim you know and it was a bit grim when i when i left in the morning and yeah. uh, but it was there was a guy there and he, he was, he's on the Instagram so everyone have a look at it because he's got a great uh, Roger I'm sure his name is Roger and he's got a great makeover because his hair and his beard and he hadn't but he said I haven't been touched since before the pandemic wow and and then he clarified it so I've had a haircut but I sort of felt that that first sentence was the truth yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, and then, um, you know, it, it was just, you, you just see, I've done a little mini film of these photos that, um, yeah. and you can sort of see him unfolding, you know. Yeah. And we, I, I did say it on the on the video, I think, or I said it, but I wish I could have filmed it, is I followed him out because they kept popping in, the Salvation Army workers saying, oh, Roger, look, Roger. And I was like, and then they were sort of saying, you're going to get a round of applause when you go outside because we're in a separate room. And I thought, I'm going to follow him out. And I followed him out. And all these homeless people were eating their breakfast and all that. And I went, way, and he got a proper, I mean, my my hairs are standing up. It's making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. He just literally, and he got a round of applause. And I had to, they like to move me car, uh, so I went out. And every time I went out, he was going, he grabbed me hand. He was going, oh, thank you, mate. Thank you so much. And he kept 
you know. Like but the that, difference. Yeah, and that, and that that's what I'm trying to get across to people that that you you need to know that you know you need you, you need to know that type of thing that you're gonna that that feeling that you're gonna get doing this is, is so important. Yeah, and also I know you know it, it, you're a nationwide charity so you need yeah. help from people from all four corners of the united kingdom don't you that's the yeah. thing it's you know support everywhere not yeah. it's, this is not london southeast centric this is everywhere Ho- homelessness is not london and oh. southeast centric it is nation well it's worldwide but for you it's nationwide and we you need to try and get as much support as you can to help yeah because there'll be other rogers in the northeast the northwest scotland everywhere. the midlands wales you know southwest there are people are having a hard time everywhere so the more i go it's the same i walk in the same place and i'm it's the same everything's the same apart from the accent it's yeah. just a different accent everywhere yeah. you know it's not it's not centrally based or anywhere this is this is across the whole of uk and ireland and and everywhere I go, it just feels the same, and you know, it, it's it's reassuring but depressing all at the same time. Yeah, uh, I'm meeting the same people, same circumstances, same stories, and it's only getting worse. So we need more people. We need more help, and that's the thing with it, you know. That and if there isn't one near you, we can get you started. I was so, going to say start one, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anywhere. You know, we're, we're only scratching the surface at the moment. Um, no, it's brilliant. I'm throwing it back to you again. Oh, God. Right. It's much better talking about you. Yeah, I know. You, I know what you were doing. You were trying to get <laughs> away from you. But but I want to know, what drives you? What drives you, Jane? Because you're very driven. Yeah, I am very driven. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a hairdresser. I'm not a beauty therapist. But I absolutely love the market. Um, and I suppose if you've been in it for as long as I have, it's like, an, you know, literally at Salon, it felt like we'd got the family back together. I know that sounds really, but, you know, I've grown up, as you you all have, we've all grown up together. And, and actually to, to have a forced separation of nearly two years has been tough for everybody. So I think what what drives me is I want everybody to know how great these industries are in terms of a great place to work you know and we've all had it i've had friends like i've even had friends of friends say oh you're a hairdresser in that and i'm like no but i wish i was no because yeah you know <laughs> the difference i would make every day to somebody's life in a very different way to what you do but you're still making a difference to those people when they come into your salon yeah. um and and for me it's about what drives me is making people realize these are great industries to forge a career a because the opportunities are endless. You can you can travel the world. You can the age is no boundary to setting up a business. Um, you keep learning. You're surrounded by great great people, um, and it's not something that anybody should do just because they think they can't do anything else. And that literally sets me <laughs> raging. I mean, it makes <laughs> honestly. I I. It drives me to distraction. It's like, why would you? I mean, you know, I've got two sons who are at university and, and that's great. They've chosen that and that's what they want to do. And I'm super proud of them. But, you know, we had a conversation. I was like, if you want to go do an apprenticeship, if you want to be a hairdresser, if you, I don't care so long as they're happy and yeah. they're fulfilled because you spend a long time working. So you really need to make sure you pick wisely and it's something that you really love doing. I mean, I can't imagine doing a job that I hate doing because you spend so much time doing it. And I know these markets are slightly different because there's no, it's not nine to five thirty. This job is not nine to five thirty. You know, you're at, you make yourself accessible and that's absolutely my choice to do that. Um, but 
you know, so that drives me that we get good people. The industries are recognised for being a great contributor to the UK economy and the world economy. But hairdressing in the UK is recognised and continues to be recognised in the best in the world. Um, and I suppose our role in that is giving the established but the new people those platforms in which to grow their business, their profile and their reach and engagement and, and to make a bigger difference so that, you know, we can all... And, and in turn, then you can also make a difference doing things like you do or hair and beauty charity or, do you know what I mean? There is, a, there is so much opportunity for people. So that, that genuinely drives me. And I suppose the other thing that drives me is being the best we can possibly be. So as a business, we position ourselves at the heart of our communities. So for hair, beauty, spa, aesthetics, and it's making sure that we're giving those industries what they need in terms of content, how they need it, when they need it making sure that we keep people up to date so that and, and i am an absolute nightmare for the details anybody who works with me will tell you <laughs> yes <laughs> so um but you can't do events you can't do events you can't do magazines you can't do anything without doing the detail because no. you know we get one shot to make sure salon international's right you can't say oh we'll do it again next weekend because we didn't quite get you know yeah. it's a very hard deadline and magazines and social and websites are the same aren't they i mean social and websites these days gone are the days where you know you used to wait till HJ came out on Friday to find out who'd won British Address of the Year on the Monday. You know, that doesn't happen. People want to consume their news instantly. And that's, that's changed how we work hugely. And actually, you know, it was, it was, it's quite, it was, it was just complete fate. But the night of the business awards was the night that Facebook and Instagram and Mark Zuckerberg's hold on the world collapsed because everything shut down for six hours. Um, and actually what was amazing was that everybody watched it in 3D rather than through a screen? Yeah, because they'll watch through a screen because they're recording or they're taking pictures or and and it's brilliant. And people did share all the stuff afterwards, but they actually lived it. You know, and for us going to events, I go to events and we literally watch them through our mobile phones because we're reporting on it. You know, yeah. whereas you used to be able to go back to the office and write it up and then file your copy. I'm so old, Stuart, yeah, but I that's know. how it. But do you know what I mean? That's how yeah. it. That's how it was. So and there's, there's something special about that, isn't there? You know, the yeah. literally the the putting the phone down and just enjoying because you yeah. absorbing and being present. It's all about being. It present. is about being present. It yeah. is about being present. And I suppose you know the other the other thing that drives me. You, you also we've touched on this. You want to set an example to your kids, don't you? That you know you get the good things in life because you work hard and you you're consistent. Yeah. And all those things, I suppose. Yeah, work ethic. Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, the one thing we've definitely given our boys is a work ethic. Yeah. I mean, I am, but I, I do work hard, but that's because I love what I do. Yeah, and it's not work. I, no. I, 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 I'm the same. I, I sort of probably put a bit, as you do, a bit too much on myself. But and, and family close to you often say that you're putting too much on yourself. Having yeah. said that, it keeps me going, you know. Yeah, it does and, me. And, and we found that out recently recent times when we weren't doing as much yeah we made ourselves do stuff yeah but it didn't it didn't work quite the same but it didn't fulfill you in the same way did it no you've not big gap there yeah and i mean zoom and all the other it's brilliant and absolutely it was perfect for the time but you can't beat human interaction no no you cannot Um, um, i've got a bit massive praise to all of your team they're getting that together because it was just this. I mean, I was only there Sunday and Monday, 
but it, the feeling of, of there was a little bit of fear there you yeah. know there's a bit of fear because I thought my oh god there's a lot of people here yeah. but it was so well run you know you felt safe thank you um, and, and also you, you just had this just feeling of like back to normality and joy I think and was joy. the thing that people was were just joy there joyous that they could get on stage and share or they could come and watch I mean it's the only time I've ever had people who I've never met come up and say thank you so much for doing this we needed this as an industry and you know huge respect to my team and Mark and the team here because they just pulled it off and worked tirelessly I mean it's, it's a big deal anyway but in the current climate it was much you know, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. And it was just brilliant to see, to see it come together and actually to see people come back and reunite. It was fantastic. I think it's very, I think it was very important. I think it was a very important moment in hairdressing yeah. that, that it, it, it was, it happened again because it so easily could have been a, um, yeah. you know, we'll do it next year online event and then yeah. next year. But um, I think it was so important that it broke the back of that and it yeah. leads the way now for, we've got to get to normality next year. You know, we must yeah. plough through and get through it, you know, just even from my end. But, you know, I've spent this whole, ever since April, we've been, we hit the ground running yeah. and we've, we've, we're reaching the point where we're back to where we were pre-pandemic. But I have to always go backwards and then think, actually, I've got to remember how it felt in April and it was yeah. such a mountain the climb. Absolutely but right. We're getting there, you know. Yeah. And then now we can we can look forward to the optimism we had pre-pandemic of growing even further. There's so absolutely. many things that we can all achieve as an industry. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the time starts, you know, in a few months, I suppose. The new year, yeah. the new start. Mind you, I bloody said that last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does feel, I mean, it does feel like we are getting back to normal. And I think for us, it was important to do it because it is one of those that we've missed a year. If you miss another year, what, you know, what does that say? And I think we had to be brave's a bit of a big word, but brave enough to commit to say, we're going to do this. We're going to deliver it. We can do it in a safe way. Um, and, you know, hopefully take as many people with us on the journey that wanted, wanted to come and do that whole thing of getting back together. And I think actually the people that did really, really enjoyed it. So, I don't think yeah. brave is the wrong word. I think brave is the right word for it. That I sounds think, a bit grand, but uh, no, I don't mean brave. it like that. It, 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 was, it was brave because it, it takes courage because um, it, it's, uh, it's a sort of fear has affected everyone. It, like, you know, at a personal level, also at an industry level. So, you know, it, it was a big old, big old ass to get that going, you know. Yeah, it The team were a bit tired. <laughs> Oh, but you've yeah, you've yeah. been in a lot of uh, a lot of conversations over the last few months. With, uh, yeah, I think you had people. Yeah, exactly. Are they completely? Yeah, what are they doing? But actually, but we've got to we. You know, whatever you believe about anything, it's not COVID. It's not going away. We have to no. learn to live with it. It's yeah, like yeah. the flu. We have. It's not like the flu, but it is like a, a flu. Yeah. We have to learn to live with it, and yeah. we have to learn to exist with it and and run our lives and and get back to doing you know personally i don't think humans are built not to be with other humans and interacting and socializing and you know and i think we haven't probably touched 
the tip of the iceberg on the mental health issues that are coming out of COVID now, where, you know, you have people with real anxiety about going out because they've not been out for 18 months. Um, You know, you can see people in your own family that it's had had an impact on you. You don't have to look very far, do you, to see how it's... And everybody's... Everybody has had their own way of dealing with it and trying to find their way out of it. I mean, I... I got COVID very early, so March 2020, and in a way, that made me less scared because yeah. I'd had it and I was all right. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it but it did. So, but that's not to say that you're not being careful and doing everything you need to do, and you know, making sure everybody else is safe. This is the thing, and once once the the biggest fear is the fear of the unknown. Yes. One of my, one of my kids got it um, uh, when we sort of. I keep I've got to stop saying this. Well, I keep saying we locked her in a bedroom, but we didn't physically lock her in a bedroom. But <laughs> that doesn't sound great. <laughs> and we are lucky that you know, like we've got yeah. we've got two bathrooms. So yeah, you know, she had the bathroom, meals on the floor, knocking on the yeah. door, all of that stuff, and none of us got it. So it's doable, but that's easy yeah, for me to say in a house where we've got the bedroom. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're if you're in a studio flat with with a couple of kids, you know, like it, you, you can't separate. So it's it's um, but there, it, it, you can you can get through it. Um, yeah, I mean, I got it before you could get a test to say you'd had it. So I got the test right. four months later. I paid for an antigen test and I definitely had it. And was saying to my GP, I can't smell or taste. And he was like, I've no idea what that is. That's a bit odd. But it was before it became a right. a recognised symptom. It, it was just like oh, it's just a bit odd. Well, I can't. So, but no, you're right. We were we 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 are both fortunate in that we've got space so that nobody else. And I, I think I think what happened was was then that it went through dips, didn't it? Like, and you sort of like one minute you're really like really really scared. Then it was sort mm. of getting a bit complacent. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'd have something. I remember when I saw that uh, lovely Jamie from Swartzkop climb oh. When he passed away, because he's 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 of the area where um, where where my salon was, and my sister's yeah. friends with him on Facebook and that stuff. And was those awful. things were so awful, and it was so quick and so sudden and such a shock yeah, it that it made you think, "Oh my god, this is so real." It it, it made the reality of it, didn't it? That anyone yeah, ever it touched by that, and yeah, uh, absolutely, it, it, you know. And I love to see at salon. There was I went over to the. And there was this you little see on the Schwarzkopf stand, the plaque to him yeah, on the stand. Back with him with his with his big smile, you know. So. Oh, it was brilliant that they did that. I was so it was a really lovely thing to just acknowledge him. It was lovely. Yeah, I I, I, I thought that, and um, yeah. yeah, it was great. And because I was in there looking at the photographs at the gallery, the gallery, a lot of them taken by Jack Eames. Yes, lovely Jack Eames. Done that one, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because uh, it was really funny when Jack first got in touch with me. He was saying um, that oh, uh, you know, I do, I do. I'm a photographer now. I didn't even know. And then I think I was, I went up to the. I went. I to love the that. Oh, I'm a photographer. He yeah. is a superb photographer. I well, I didn't <laughs> know. So I go, oh yeah, mate, you want to take some photos? That's fine. He was a nice <laughs> guy. He's really fitted in well. He's very cool. Very, very gentle man. Yeah, so he fitted in really perfectly. And uh, you know, we, we've been doing quite a bit. Then I went up to last year. It was the fellowship awards, uh, fellowship luncheon. Right. right. Uh, when they surprised me with an award, and I was actually yeah. supposed to be somewhere else. <laughs> I was like, 
And what I thought it was that night, so I had to quickly send my sister off to where we were going, quickly get me suit on and get up there. And I bumped into him at the station. I said, what are you doing here? He went, oh, I've just no, you know, and I was, still hadn't really told me. And then we walked in and Errol Douglas going, oh, Jack, and, you know, and all these people. And I thought, are you a proper, are you a proper photographer then? <laughs> You're a proper photographer. I love that. Love <laughs> he went, well, yeah, I've done most of the collections. And I went, oh, oh I didn't know that. <laughs> but, you know, it leads on to the crowdfunding, you know, that then that, you had us on the live and, you know, I don't know when this, this will probably go out in a couple of weeks, but um, I would think when this goes out, we would have just finished our crowdfunder. But, um, I just but people to, can still raise money for you. Well, they can still raise money for us. And the book will then, we've then got, we, we've pre-sold on the crowdfunder, we've pre-sold an amount of books. Right. Probably about, we'll probably get to the end and pre-sell about 10%, but it's still 90% then to sell. So, you know, and it, it's an important thing. And I, our thing is that we want, like we want to have to reprint because we 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 really want it on every reception desk yeah. you know everyone having a coffee in a salon anywhere in the country should be able to book up you know uh and show me some not, of the running sheets sure. it's absolutely beautiful it is it, you know and, and lee <laughs> i've mentioned lee keats as well who he's the you know he's, he's, a, he's a quiet man lee so he doesn't he yeah. doesn't sort of come forward a lot but um he just picks up it just got an ear for picking up the most beautiful like sentence or story yeah. and that's why there's going to be photographs in the book but there's just these little nuggets of of gold that that lee's found so between the three of us you know um my role's not really much now because I, I i'm busy doing the work but they're the ones who are putting it all together um and, and i'm so proud of it that it's going to be such a stunning thing Oh, it's beautiful. Having seen the running sheets, it looks amazing. And I mean, it's true testament to every picture tells a thousand words because in every face, you just see a story, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing for them to have come together to work with you on. Cause obviously this will then help, um, will help the charity, won't it? And will help you keep going and keep, keep pushing forward and being able to make such a difference to the homeless community, which is something we should all support. Yeah. I mean, I think as an industry, we've got so much support anyway, but you know, like all small charities, it's, it's tough to get that. So yeah, we're, we're, we're always on the lookout for sort of corporate sponsors. And what yeah. I found, what was really amazing, like our first corporate sponsor on board was L'Oreal. Right. Now they have been amazing. I'm not just saying it because they're supporters. They literally have been amazing because they see it as something that that's beyond um, commercialism. So, so, so that they're more than happy for another sponsor to get on board within. Yeah, the absolutely. Industry. You know, they say it's bigger than that, and I really appreciate that. So, and they're right; it is bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. So, and we've got Sonoti, which are a, a software company, big in yeah, America. The American, yeah. They're, they're sort of getting bigger over here. They've supported us really, really well. Um, but there's room for a couple more so you know that, that hopefully the book will bring attention and then that, that, that will come forward and the so when the crowdfunding ends where do people go to buy the book is it on haircutsforhomeless.com <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm not meant to be asking the questions but I just thought we need to get this in here I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> will be. there'll be a link yeah, on haircutsforhomeless.com actually <laughs> For being at Salon was so great because 
I finally got to meet the guys at Green Salon Collective. Um, they've been supporting, uh, supporting yeah. us for a while now, and, and as they're growing, they're going to support us more, but they're going to sell it on, you know, their connection through their website. So they'll actually have the book available on their website, they've said. I'm sure they'll make that happen. Um, we'll have it on, obviously, the Haircuts Runners website. We'll probably have links in the bios of the uh, on, on the Instagram and probably yeah. a Facebook. I'll probably set it so you can buy it direct from our Facebook page as well. So, yeah, I'm sure, you know, and uh, I'm sure you'll find a way to help me sell it as well. So. I was just going to say, we will absolutely find a way to help you push it out because yeah. it's really important and it, yeah. it's it's imperative that we keep keep the funding going so that you guys can keep doing the work that you do. Well, early on, I said to them, I put my salon owner head on, you know, many, many years, and I said to them, look, I think the great thing of this is that you're not just asking for a, a donation. This is something that you're going you're gonna to donate the same sort of money as you probably would anyway to the local netball team, but you're actually going to get something through the post. And it's lovely. Something really worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like a little yeah. Christmas present, and, you know, yeah. we're gonna, it's going to be out for Christmas. I'm sure we're going to make that happen. Um, yeah so we will definitely help you Stuart thank you very much well Jane you've made me cry (laughs) I've made you cry I've not even cut your hair I've made you cry (laughs) (laughs) some people cut fringe too short that happens but you know I would get upset about that I hide behind my fringe (laughs) (laughs) but it's been an absolute pleasure and um, you know it was it was really it was really nice speaking to you and uh, I'm sure You'll be hearing a lot more from me in the future. I do. <laughs> you hope might, so. might delete my number at some point. I will not ever delete your number. We are happy to help. Thank you for asking me to come on with you. No, and uh, it, it, I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy listening. But I'm sure you're busy. So I'll let you get back to your day. Thank <laughs> you. I'll see you soon. See you soon. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did more than I could have ever realised. It helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.